Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. I'm excited to be here. Thank you, guys. I'm excited about the word I'm going to be sharing this morning, but i like to just start off with prayer. Lord, I just thank you for your grace. It's upon us this morning. I thank you that your word is rich, Lord, and we're going to get a great chance to dive into an awesome part of Scripture, and I just pray you would make our hearts fertile soil for the seed of your word as it falls in and let it reap a great harvest. Make it real to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, this morning, I'm excited to start a new series, and it's going to be a Brett series. (laughs) not tied in with anything else but it's something I've kind of been thinking about doing and uh my best friend from growing up his name is Phil Harris and he's a pastor down in Bend Oregon and he was an associate pastor in a church in Vancouver Washington for years and years and great guy servant lord awesome just what a what a solid guy Phil one of the things he shared with me he said you know what yeah, you know, as a not the lead pastor or whatever, but yeah, you spoke, you speak every so often. You don't speak all the time. He said. He said. So it was. It was good to do that. But you know, one thing that I did that I really, really enjoyed, and a lot of people, you know, came up to me throughout it and said, "You know, those are so good when you do those." He said, "I just picked a book and we started it. Started a book from the New Testament. We picked Philippians, and any chance I got, I just." got up and we started with Philippians chapter 1 verse 1 and started working through it. And it took him a few years to go through that. And I don't have any problem with taking a few years to go through this, but I'm looking forward to it. So we're going to start a walk through Ephesians this morning. So that's kind of uh, kind of exciting. We are going to do kind of an expository study of Ephesians expository, kind of think of expose. We're just going to kind of dig into it. We're going to go systematically through it. We're going to look for some good things in it. So I'm excited about that. Kind of got a bit of an agenda, what I'm going to try to get through today. And if I don't get through it all, that's okay. We can pick it up next time. So the things I want to talk about, why Ephesians? Hey, that's a good idea. Why do you do Ephesians? The location, the background of Ephesians, the book, the structure and the key verse, a bit of chapter one overview, how to make it real. Now, that's a key point. And then if we have the time, we're going to start digging into chapter one through verse one through 14. But the thing, the main goals of an expository study and doing it this way are one, to understand the context, where it was written and why it was written. But then beyond that, understanding how to apply it to our lives. And we can read, and we can know all this doctrine, and we can be great theological minds, but if we don't know how to bring it down to where the rubber meets the road and apply it to our lives, we're going to be missing something. Okay, so why Ephesians, first off? Why Ephesians? First of all, Ephesians, I love this book because it's such a solid mix of strong, sound doctrine, but very practical instruction. It's got just some great, solid stuff. As we get into this first part of it, it's a lot of doctrine. Then it gets into the second half of the book is really, really great, practical things that we can do. And then 
the second reason why Ephesians, it's got one of my favorite passages in the New Testament in it. Chapter 6. Anybody got a guess what's in Ephesians 6 that I might like? The armor of God. Yeah, the armor of God. This is, this is awesome. I, I, love it. I love this picture. It's one I, I used in a message that I shared on the armor of God a few years back. But there's some really good things. And I'm excited to get there. We won't get to the armor of God today. I'm going to let you know that. But why Ephesians? So there we go. So I'd like to take a look at the background of Ephesians. The next slide has a map on it. And we see that Ephesus is the name of the city. And Ephesians is the name of the people who live in Ephesus. Like we're Lacians. (laughs) Olympian? I don't know. So the book of Ephesians was written to the people here in Ephesus. And Ephesus is in modern Turkey. They didn't call it Turkey then. And these are some of the other significant cities in the area. But the thing about Ephesians, where it was a big, prosperous harbor city in Asia Minor, and it was the terminus. Anybody know what terminus means? The end of something, the end point of the Silk Road. Anybody heard of the Silk Road before? What's the Silk Road? Trade route. And it went from all the way back in China over here somewhere across Asia on camels or however, all the way through here, and then they put it on boats and take it through Corinth or to Rome or wherever. And so all of the, the great stuff that the Far East had to offer, silk and spices and other things like that, would come overland to Ephesus. So it was a major trade port, which was kind of interesting. The other major thing about Ephesus at the time was there was a big temple here for one of the Greek goddesses, the Greek goddess Artemis or Diana. goes by either name, kind of depending on which language you were coming from. Same thing, it's a huge, huge temple, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the temple of Diana in Ephesus. So that's where Ephesus was, and if you look at the book, we see that the author is Paul. So the the next slide is, Paul is the author of our book. And we find out that Paul had, in the chapter 19 of Acts, a lot of experience with Ephesus and the Ephesians. And I want to go over, I'm going to read this. If you'd like to turn to, flip to, browse to, search to, on whatever implement or book device you have of the Bible, Acts chapter 11. I'm going to read through some of it and kind of give you a background of what Paul knew about Ephesus there. So Acts 19, verses 1 through 7. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them? No, they replied, we haven't even heard there's a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked, and they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied, and there were about 12 men in all. Verse 8, then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. 
But some became stubborn, rejecting his message, speaking publicly against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him, and they held daily discussions at their lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years, so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. So Paul says that the SME spent about three years in Ephesus, working out of Ephesus and ministering out of Ephesus. So Paul was really familiar with Ephesus, the people there, and the, the believers there. If you look further down in chapter 19, there's some stuff. There's the seven sons of Sceva and their false ministry, some of the issues they had. And then there, if you look from 23 through verse 41, there's a big riot instigated by the people that were involved with that temple of Diana. They're, they're upset that uh, stuff isn't going quite the way. They're not making so much money on this stuff as people are believing in Jesus. They're like, hey, there's something going on here. So there's a lot of background there, and it's, it's well worth reading. And if you want a little more background, read through chapter 19 and chapter 20 of Acts. And that kind of sets the stage for this Paul's relationship and why he's writing the book. So the next slide, we get into the date and place of writing. So we know Paul's the author, and he's writing to the Ephesians. And they estimate this book was written between 61 through 63 A.D., while Paul was in Rome. And it's known as a prison epistle because while Paul was in Rome, he was a prisoner. He was chained up. Sometimes they, they say he was chained to a Roman soldier, but he was in prison waiting to be tried for basically being a believer in Rome. And there's three other books that are from that same writing period. And Paul says, I'm in chains and I'm writing to you, blah, blah, blah. And he talks about some of the people who will deliver these messages. And those other books are Philippians and Colossians and Philemon. And the book, which is interesting compared to some of Paul's other books, is it's not so much a book of correction. When Paul wrote to some of the other churches, Corinthians, to the people in Corinth, or Galatians, the people in Galatia, he was writing specifically to say, hey, look, this is a little off. You need to fix this. Or, hey, somebody's way out of line here, and we need to dial this back. And as a pastoral leader and an apostle, he had that responsibility to help correct and guide people. And so a lot of those other books have a lot of correction in it as well as guidance. But this one is much more instruction and guidance. I kind of like that about Philippians. Not Philippians. Philippians is an awesome book too, but, but Ephesians. Thank you. A quick one here. Back in the day, before electronic devices had all the books in order, we just selected which book we wanted to go to in the chapter and the verse. We had to kind of know where the verses were in our Bible, where the, where the books were. So when somebody said, turn to Matthew, you didn't start at the beginning. You kind of went towards just past the middle, right? And so there's a little memnonic device to remember the four books that Paul wrote to churches, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And this is a freebie here. I want to throw it out. The memnonic is go eat popcorn. Galatians, go eat Ephesians, pop, Philippians, and corn, Colossians. So if you ever are looking back in a physical Bible, it's, and you go, it's, where's Colossians? Is it in front of Ephesians? Go eat, go, go eat, eat. Ephesians is right after Galatians. So anyway, just a freebie there. Okay. 
So we're going to take a moment to go over some of the high-level structure of Ephesians. We're going to kind of take the high view of what's the book talking about and where's it talking about it. So there's two major themes in the book. First is the doctrine, our riches in Christ. And the second is duty, our responsibilities in Christ. So these kind of equate to the first one is chapters 1 through 3, and the next one is chapters 4 through 6. Chapter 1 is our spiritual possessions in Christ. Chapters 2 and 3 are spiritual position in Christ. Chapter 4 is our walk in unity and our walk in purity. Chapter 5 is our walk in harmony. And chapter 6 is our walk in unity. So there's kind of a high-level way to kind of frame it and look at it. And when we go through chapter 1, we'll be looking at our spiritual possessions in Christ. So it's kind of neat to kind of see a, a large overview. When you're reading something, you kind of go, yeah, that really does tie in with the possessions. That really does tie in with walking in unity or walking in harmony. So that's the high level. Now, the key verse of Ephesians is chapter 1, verse 3. And it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. This is New American Standard Bible. And I like this verse, and it's a key verse, because it helps us up front, right at the beginning of the book, understand what the framework or perspective of the book is. And in all of this, I really feel like heavenly, especially in the first half of the book, is the key word. Because we will see that a lot of these blessings and riches, as they're expounded in the first half of the book, are from heaven's perspective. The Father's perspective, his plan for us, how he saw us, how he sees us. And if we can get a hold of that, it may not make it so abstract. I really am a concrete thinker. I like, you know, concrete, logical thoughts. And some of these theological concepts and doctrines can be kind of just, whoa, out there in their words, words, but it's hard to pull down. But when I saw this and Wow, I got, man, that's a cool lens to understand that this is actually, from God's perspective, he's speaking these things about us. That's pretty cool. It's a key verse. That's it. One, three. Now, we're going to take a quick look at chapter one and how the structure of chapter one is laid out, and we'll talk a little bit about our approach to it. So chapter one, verses one through two are the introduction. We'll go through these kind of more in detail as we get into those. Then we see the doctrine of our riches in Christ in, that's, uh, that's the first three chapters. We see our spiritual possessions in Christ in verses 3 through 14, and these are the breakdown of them. The spiritual possessions, the blessings from the Father, the Son, the Spirit, and the last half of the chapter is a prayer. Paul is praying for our enlightenment, and that's good in solitude, but we'll probably just get through the first three today. So here's a quick word on our approach and how to look at these things. Before we get into the meat of it, before we dig into the scriptures, I want you to, first of all, look for the promises. And I'm going to ask you for some of them. So as we're reading these verses up here, I want you to think, oh, there's a promise. Oh, there's a promise. And I had this, it's interesting, when you prepare, you spend time, you work, you study, you, you put more stuff into it. And then as you're standing here in church during worship, you go, oh, yeah, here's another one. So I took note. The thing about looking for those promises, identifying the promises, is like 
we're going to be mining them. And the picture that came to my head as we were doing this was mining for gold and panning for gold. Has anybody ever seen that panning for gold thing? So I grew up in Alaska, and a lot of the heritage of Alaska was miners and sourdoughs back in the day and the gold rush coming up and everybody had a pick, a shovel, and a gold pan and they would get down in the stream and they put gravel in the pan and he'd swirl it around in the water and let the, the gravel come out and look for those gold nuggets. So that's what I kind of want to do as we're, as we're going through this. Look for those nuggets that you can grab. We want to make them real. We kind of understand what they mean. And then this is really cool. I want you to check out this next thing. Brandon, pull up the next slide. I found this online. This is a treasure map that somebody did of Ephesians chapter 1 of what they called Identity Island. And as they go through this, verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, and all the way through as they did this little thing, they wrote the little promises, the nuggets that stuck out to them. Like, wow, I was floored. What an awesome and creative way to kind of make this real and really get a hold of it. An artist created this. She sells it on Etsy as a coloring poster. And if you want to order it, it's a couple bucks. Google it on Ephesians Treasure Map, and you'll be able to find that. But the creativity is just so amazing. So I'm not saying everybody has to create a treasure map, but come up with a way to make those promises yours. If it's just a list and you think about it, meditate on it, that's great. If you come up with another creative way, I'd love to see it. So that's the word on our approach. Okay, so let's roll on down to the introduction. Chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And this is Paul. Greetings from Paul. This letter from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Okay, quiz time. Did you know there was going to be quizzes today? Quizzes and homework. I love this. Okay, quiz. Who wrote the book? Paul. Oh, it's right here. It's good. Okay, to whom did he write it? Yeah, the believers in Ephesus, right? Okay, cool. It's kind of, kind of nice. It just lays it right out there for us. Okay, next one. Here we get into our spiritual possessions in Christ. And the first ones we're looking at are the ones from the Father. Now, kind of remember, this is from heaven's perspective. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for his glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Okay. Who wants to pick out a promise up here that they can identify? Alyssa. God's grace. God's grace. God's glorious grace. Glorious grace. I love that. It's amazing. Anybody else? Predestination. That's a big word. I love it. What does predestination mean? Anybody besides Jeff? 
What does predestination mean? Predetermined ahead of time. Let's just break this down for a minute. It's a great place. Let's go here. Predestination for us means that he decided before we were even around, before he even created the world, mind blown, that he would save us, that Jeff would be saved, that Jeff would be brought in, that I would be brought in and adopted into his family. Before I was even around, before I believed, it wasn't after I believed and he just confirmed it, wasn't confirmation, we're talking predestination. So that's a, a mind-blowing thing when, for me to help understand this a little bit and to wrap my tiny earthly brain around the big, huge, heavenly spiritual concept, this is the illustration that God showed me when I was a young man. He said, time is a pencil. This is not a pencil, this is a pen. But if I look at this pen, it has a beginning and an end, a start and a finish. And my life is lived in a linear fashion as I move from one point in this timeline, in this pen, this linear existence to another. And for me, I make a decision, things happen to change, and I move along that, and I feel the results and effects of those decisions I made or things that happen to me, and those progress along the line. The thing is, we live in that, that tiny moment of that linear existence, but God, when he looks at it, he sees it all. Just like I can see the whole pencil or the whole pen. I can see it from beginning to end. And in that moment, I can see each individual moment, but I can see the whole thing. And that's the thing where we don't wrap our heads around the whole piece of time. It doesn't, doesn't work. Our tiny brains don't really work like that. But if you can say, if God saw all of time and saw the results and said, yes, that's right, before it even started, that's what predestination is. Okay, any other promises up here? We've got glorious grace. I know, Alyssa, you had your hand up again. Did you have another one? Um, I have oh, pull them out. Give us another one, and we'll let somebody else. Perfect. Write them down, too. Make them real. Make them yours. Okay. I'll just go with blessings. Blessings. All spiritual blessings in Christ. That's right. Okay, who's got another? Nathan. He decided to adopt us into his family. He adopted us into his family. Especially for some of us that may not have had family. Or maybe we've had a great family. But to be adopted as one of God's kids, that is amazing, awesome, life-transforming if we let it transform us. Yes, Alyssa. I wrote down God uniting us. Yes, united us to one another, which is another cool thing. And we'll see more of that later. But also united us in Christ. Christ is his beloved son. And he sees us the same way. Wow. Caleb? Be holy and without fault in his eyes. How often do we feel blameless or holy? <laughs> no, my carnal nature pretty much understands how carnal and blameful and unholy I am. It understands those things. But that's where that lens, that perspective, it's not me looking at myself anymore. It's how God sees me. That's amazing. Okay, thank you. Those are awesome. Let's go to the next part, our spiritual possessions in Christ from the Son, verses 7 through 12. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his Son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. 
God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything on heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance. He makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. Okay, the same question. What promises do you see up in here? Forgives our sin. How? Forgives our sin, yes. He forgives, that's amazing. That is tremendous. Alyssa? Wisdom and understanding. I need wisdom and understanding. Wow. Yes, Jeff. Back of the verse is redemption. Redemption. Freedom. freedom. Redemption and freedom. Freedom is very liberating. Slight pun intended, but there's a profound truth in it as well. When we realize that we have freedom, it can change our lives. Change our lives. We're no longer in bondage to sin. I'm going to f- keep going here. I want to wrap up our message sooner rather than later. So we're going to go to the last section of the chapter here that we're going to cover. 13 through 14, our possessions in Christ from the Spirit. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth. So we had Jews in the verse before, and then we got the Gentiles. The good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. So that whole Jews and Gentiles thing. So kind of not our everyday framework of thinking. But if you look at it, the Jews were God's chosen people and they were the ones who had the truth. And Christ's message came to them the established religious leaders rejected that. There were many believers that came out of that that followed Christ. But then his message was no longer exclusive to just that one people. His message became universal. It became to everyone. And that's who the Gentiles were. Those who were not Jews were Gentiles. And we all fit in that. Maybe some of us have Jewish heritage or not. But his message now is no longer exclusive. It's for everybody. That's pretty amazing. And the way he brought it about in our adoption and all that comes into it, we are just as much God's kids as the Jews were. Or Jews are. We're just as much so that love that he has. That's profound. Okay. Any other promises that you guys see up here? Verses 3 14. How? He gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Holy Spirit. That's pretty profound. I love this because, I mean, it tied right into that first part of Acts 19, right? Paul prayed for them. They had the Holy Spirit. Like, wow. And just tied in right there. Alyssa? The good news that God saves us. The good news that God saves us. Yes. Yeah. He gave us inheritance. It's good stuff. Yes. God's promise. I have a long list, yeah, exactly. So those are the things. Chris. The Holy Spirit is a promissory payment that we're going to get more. That's right. The Holy Spirit is a promissory payment that we're going to get more. Like a down payment. Here you go. And it's going to keep coming. It's going to keep piling up. All those blessings and those spiritual blessings in Christ. Okay.
So here's the homework. <laughs> How many knew we were going to get some homework? I did say that. When you came in this morning, you may not have expected it. I don't always expect homework on a Sunday morning, but I thought, why not? So first of all, read back through Ephesians 1 through 14 in one of your favorite versions or more than one. It's great to compare and to contrast them. I find that the word is so rich that to me, it's like a multifaceted gem. And if I have this diamond cut in a beautiful shape. When I look at it, I get a refraction, a reflection of the light coming to my eye from a certain angle. If I turn it a little bit, I get a different angle. I get different slices of beauty. And the word is like that too. Different truths will come out as we look at them from different perspectives. And different versions are one way to look at that. The other thing, as you read through it, note down the spiritual blessings that are promised to you as a believer, make a list or highlight them because they'll become ammo for you. And we'll get to that later. And then the last part of our homework is read the rest of the chapter. Read all of chapter one, but go through that first 14 verses and kind of do what we did here. And like Alyssa's doing there, making a, a list. That's awesome. So I don't know about you. I'm excited. I don't know when the next time I'll come up and share the, the rest, the next part of this, but that's just what my plan is going forward is as I have opportunity to bring the word. It's kind of exciting. I like it. I don't know about you, but getting into the word is, is really cool and, and digging into it. I don't have any heavy, heavy altar calls, but I really believe that God has got such good promises for us. He's got such good, good things for us. And you, I mean, you just see a small glimpse of it as we've read chapter one of Ephesians. Just how much he loves us and how many good things he has for us and how his perspective as he looks from his vantage in heaven on us can so richly bless our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 